This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Happy New Year and welcome to the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. It's 2015, so we put 2015 <coughs> behind us and um, looking forward to an even better year than we had last year. And that's going to be hard to beat, to be quite honest with you. New Year's cheer and I suppose you're all lying there, hangovers and all sorts actually after the festivities of New Year's Eve. But we're here. Going to chat more football. I'm here with myself, Billy Grant. I've also got Mr. Dave Lane. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, as you say, what, what a year last year was. Um, if this year is even a fraction as good, it's going to be a good one. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how this one pans out. So, uh, yeah, Happy New Year. And we've got the man, Mr. Jim Levac, the journalist, old chronicle. PA, all sorts of newspapers up in the Midlands, down south, everywhere. Jim Levac writes loads about Brentford, lots of positive stuff about Brentford. We like his slant. He takes the middle ground sometimes, and sometimes he's completely and utterly biased. And that's where we love you, Jim. How you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, I'd, uh, I would dispute that, that I'm uh, a bit myopic at times. Not as uh, myopic as the Wolves fans were the other day, I don't think. Or indeed us. Or indeed us, yeah. Happy New Year, anyway. Happy New Year. And then we've got the man, Mr. Matt Allard, as well. Happy New Year to you, Matt. Happy New Year to everybody. Good. Have you had a good one? Good one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too bad, not too bad. Head, you know, head hurts, obviously. That's all good. Listen, and we're going to be chatting to later to Mr. Ralph Brown, who's going to be chatting to us from stateside, talking to us about the Brighton activity, because we've got Brighton in the FA Cup at the weekend, which we'll be talking about later. But let's cast our minds back to 2014. The last two games in 2014, the Christmas period, didn't go particularly well for the Bees. Uh, we came away, as they would say on Eurovision, nil point. We played Ipswich. Uh, very exciting game it was. We lost 4-2. 
The only upside of it is that we had free London Pride to drink after the game, which I think people uh, saw that as kind of, a, you know, something to actually take away from the fact that we actually didn't get the points that day. And then uh, recovering from that session, the beer session after that, a couple of days later, we lost 2-1 to Wolves. Let's just hear what the fans had to say about that, because we, we chat the fans at the pub after the game, both games, and let's just hear what they had to say. People think you're from Stockholm, but you've actually got a season ticket for the mighty, mighty bees, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, no, to, to be honest, I wasn't very impressed with Ipswich, except for that they have a really massive defence. And, you know, we didn't, you know, we, we couldn't do anything. They got their defence together really well. And on the counter-attack, they were really effective. And our defence was, to be honest, a bit shit today. I think the Bees have done more than any of us hoped they would do this season. And today maybe it went a bit too hard for them. I, I don't know. That's... I, that's my guess. It looked uh, Ipswich all the way from the start, I'd say. We, we've conceded far too many goals. I mean, the last two games, how many goals have we conceded? We've conceded... Uh, two against Cardiff. Yeah, two against Cardiff. It's, it's too many. Yeah. It's basically too many. Uh, and Harley Dean might have been responsible for one of the, maybe one or two of the goals today. So maybe it's time for being Tykowski back. Um, we, we have got to tighten up at the back. And obviously, we need another forward. We do, you know, in the January window, we need to buy another forward. Because Andre Gray is superb, but we can't depend on him. We need another... We all know Big Nick. <laughs> and, you know, how many goals he scored so far? We've been in on the last 15 minutes. He does nothing. We need, some, we need to bring somebody on who can still carry on to score goals. And Big Nick's not the answer. We need a goal scorer. Uh, I think they've played extremely well this year with a, a small team, a fast team. And, you know, thanks thanks uh, a very, very quick attacking style of play, which has demolished lots of lesser teams. Today they came up against a team with a very solid big back line and a strong team. I'm not saying it's with Jersey, but they were a strong team. In the tussles, in the nudges, they were stronger. Brentford looked a little bit smaller and often they came off second best. They pushed up too much to start with. They often demolished teams. This time they kept getting caught on the counter. And it was just one of those days where it unravelled. Uh, I haven't lost hope. It's six wins out of eight. I still think the team are flying. I think mean, this is the best season I can ever remember at Brentford. If even a year ago, could you imagine we'd be where we are now? Because I couldn't. And ten years ago, it's unbelievable. You know, we've beaten Derby, Forest, Cardiff. The first half was the best first half I've seen possibly in 30 years of watching Brentford so I am more than happy to be where we are and if at the end of the season we're in the top six fantastic one season the Premier League will do me I'll die happy in 20 years maybe 50 years after that but who knows now all credit right all credit we came into today and I didn't think it was going to be an easy game you played well I thought we had we held our own in the first half Dicko scored which was great but you know we went down to 10 we went down to 10 and we were holding on. All credit to Brentford. They played well, you know, they had a good turnout. 
It was a good result for us and three points. I think the three points, I'm happy with that. Very happy with that. Brentford always seem to be like playoffs lurking sort of League One team. You had the season where you got knocked out, but no, you, you lost to that penalty, didn't you? Don, yeah, Don't yeah, the Rovers. Yeah, you don't want to hear about that. No, no, we can, we can talk about that now. We can talk about that now. We've had dying memories, you've had dying memories, you don't want to know. Yeah, you've got players in your team like... Personally, we're from Northampton, right? You've got one of your better players called Stuart Dallas, right? Oh, yeah. He used to play in the bottom half of League Two for Cobblers, yeah. and he was dire. I don't know where you got him from and how you've made him good, but you've done something. Exactly. What I'm saying is, like, you've got players who are just there to work. You've got no players. Any, like, Jota, whatever his name is. Who knew who he was before he came to Burnley? I don't, I don't have a clue. Well, exactly. Mark, that, that's what Mark Morton does. He finds his jewels from nowhere that no one else is going to get. You know, And that's the way that small teams like us are going to be ahead of the game because we can't go and we can't pay big money for players that you pay the money for. See you in the playoff final. You know that. Yeah. There was a lot of chances all the way through the game. Actually, we hit the post in the first. Sorry, man. Yeah, we hit the post in the first few minutes. We have hit the post a couple of times. Hit the bar. It's not that we were very bad. We made a few mistakes in the middle. I mean, the second goal was a misplaced pass from Taki on the halfway line. We couldn't back, get back in time. It was just, yeah, it was just mistakes like Ipswich, simple, simple mistakes. Um, if you actually look at the rest of it, we, we kind of, to an extent, we bossed the game the last 25 minutes of the first half. It was all, it was all Brentford. Last 20 minutes of the second half, it was all Brentford. Even, even start of the second half, it was a lot, it was, it was us. Well, yeah, I was listening to what the Brentford guy was saying. I mean, we had players who could beat people. The only players on the pitch who could beat people were Wolves players. I mean... Take the ball round somebody, get past them, cross the ball in. The power, Sarko, are top. Whereas Brentford, to me, I mean, I like Brentford because I, I live next to the ground, but um, they pass, they move, but they create nothing. I don't think it's the case that Wolves sussed us out, but I think we've still got work to do on that incisiveness you talk about. There's definitely something more we can do. It might even be a little confidence thing. It's been a long time since we lost the game. It's now been a long time since we've lost two games on the bounce. Let's see what they can do on the next one. The FA Cup might be a, a little return. You never know, a bit of confidence booster. We shall see. So, yes, interesting opinions there. Just chatting to the fans after the game. A lot of them very impressed with Ipswich. A lot of them saying that's just what happens down at Wolves. Boys, I know you were at both of those games. What did you think? And did you think we were unlucky or we'd met our match? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a negative way to end what was a, a brilliant year with two defeats. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time we, we lost two back-to-back like that. Um, I, th- I think we really did meet our match with Ipswich. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, you know, I've said, I've said before, you t- you know, you've got to tip your hat and, and kind of move on with them. Don't. We've uh, we we now know that there is definitely one team that's better than Brentford or more equipped than Brentford for for a promotion attempt um, than us this year, and that is Ipswich. Um, the others we've seen seen once as well so far, apart from Wolves, we played them twice. Disappointed with Wolves, I have to admit, over the two games. I think I think their fans got a bit bit gnarled with me for suggesting that they weren't they weren't Brazil. Um, but you know we, we we did play them off the park in both games, um, and uh, you know I think they forgot that we beat them four 0 a month ago. Um, just just not really impressed. Yeah, I mean I think I think you uh, go to go to places like Molyneux, and you know they 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 is an impressive stadium and an impressive crowd, and they do get behind their team. But it was an offside goal, the first one, and the second one was scrappy. And on another day that would have been cleared. 
Um, and we, we, we did pass them off the park. And, you know, yeah, you've got to convert these chances. Um, and we, we, did, we didn't look at our most potent, that's, that's for sure. But, you know, we just got to carry on doing that. And, that, that you know, that will, that, will, that will see us clear this year. Yeah, I mean, the Ipswich game we got, I think, as a friend of mine, an Ipswich supporting friend of mine, so we got properly murfed. Um, you know, it, they um, they were excellent. Maybe we played as well as they let us play. Uh, the Wolves game, um, we were much, I thought we were much more at the races, but then possibly because Wolves weren't as strong as Ipswich. Um, I think, you know, plus points, we were still, fitness levels must be good because we kept going in that Wolves game. We were strong towards the end. What didn't work for us? I don't know. There was something, you know, there were through balls to Gray. He didn't read any of the through balls we tried to play to him, especially in the first half. You know, they were laying little balls at angles for him. He didn't read any of them. For whatever reason, I don't know why. But um, I think, it, you know, it was, a, it was a sad shame to end the year that way. But if you take everything into perspective, then, you know, it's been amazing. And, um, and we'll kick on. It's interesting because if you actually chat to a couple of fans from other teams, big fans like Ipswich and stuff, they actually uh, started to compare us to Bournemouth. Not of Bournemouth this season, but Bournemouth of last season when Bournemouth came up from the Division 1 and surprised everybody else. Now, we're not saying that we are Bournemouth. What they're saying is I think they're saying that we've come up, we've A, surprised everybody, and B, we're actually playing better football than they expected us to. And C, they're all sort of saying to us, look, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what you're so worried about because you're actually in a higher position than you expect to be, you're playing great football, if you carry on doing what you're doing, you should be okay. So, you know, maybe we should, you know, just look at these two games and say, look, this is just what happens in this division. Sometimes you get the results, sometimes you don't. It's interesting that the Brentford fans seem to have been educated by and large by Warburton and, and this and this playing ethos now. I think we're full converts and, you know, sometimes when, when you defend having massive possession um, and losing you sound like you know, you know you sound like you're kind of almost like um, a, a weird a weird religious master that, that is kind of just preaching something that doesn't quite make sense but you know it, it when it works which it mostly does um, it's brilliant to behold um, and when it doesn't quite work but you've had all that possession people go oh, well you know you're just Playing it around the back, you're passing for passing sake, but that, that's you know that's that's avoiding the the vision. You you have to buy into the vision where the players are comfortable on the ball. Um, mostly, if you've got 65% possession, that only leaves 35% of the game for the other team to score. So you're you're kind of reducing the amount of time that the opposition can 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 damage you, but. You know the Wolves fans; they weren't having that at all, um, by and large. They 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 were kind of like goldfish fans. And what happened beyond Saturday, um, you know, beyond Saturday never happened. Um, it was all about getting the three points. We beat you. You had all this possession, but we won. You know, um, yeah. But you know, it, it, that's why we are being compared with Bournemouth, and that's why we there is analogies with us and Swansea when they went up and Wigan when they went up, and you know these these this great football um, ethos and um, it's great that we're one of those clubs not we're not defending an old way of, um, of, of playing we you know look at Wolves team they were just like land of the Giants wasn't it they were they were huge compared to us and that was their strength was their strength not their skill and I, I, I would rather be watching skillful football now 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 I've seen it I don't want to go back yeah, one of their one of their supporters summed it up quite well, didn't he? He said, um, "Brentford played like Barcelona, and we played like Wolves." <laughs> yeah, 
great point. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Which, I mean, which is interesting. I mean, again, myself, it's sort of sitting on the fence of being a little bit devil's advocate here. Um, there's, you know, there's many ways to string a string a cat, and not everybody can play. Not everyone's going to decide to play a particular way of football, and there's different ways of being effective out there. And uh, I mean, there's teams, like I said to you, that mix it, mix and match it up a little bit between being skillful but also having the brawn as well. You know, so they've got players there who are strong, but you've got the skill in there, and then you've got, you know, you've got just a mix and match between two of them. Some te- some teams verge more on being more brawn and more direct, and other teams um, verge on more being more skillful and playing the ball around. Um, I, I think that Ipswich probably sort of have a mix and match between the two. Yes, they've got a sort of slightly direct edge to them as well, but also they've got some good players, some good skillful players. They get the ball up quick. You know, they're clever, they're organised, um, they were strong. Um, um, they, they scored a goal very similar against us that, that Wills did, where they put the ball over the top. Tony Gray uh, fluffed it. Um, to, to be frank, you know, he, he, he didn't quite get it. He got beaten for, over the top of his head, got beaten for speed. Got taken out. Goal got scored against him, against Wolves, and against uh, Ipswich. So the two teams have sort of <laughs> tried a similar approach, but I thought that Ipswich had a little bit more skillful finesse to them at times. No, I agree. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not saying we're the finished article by a million miles. You know, yeah, we have got weaknesses at the back, and we're not clinical enough enough up front. And the passing at Wolves was average at best, and. You know, um, we were giving the ball away, believe it or not, too much in the first half. The possession would have been even more. Um, so it is very much work in progress. And uh, we're not pretending we're Barcelona. We're not pretending we are Arsenal. We're not pretending that we are anything other than, as I said, work in progress. And But that is the way that Warburton and Benham and the coaches and the players are setting themselves up. And we, and you know, we, we keep using that old, you know, what there is no plan B. Plan B is doing plan A better. And you know, I just, I have to agree. And I think we've got to buy into it. You know, we wouldn't want this any other way at the moment. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's close to where we are. And you know, you've got, to, you've got to be wanting more of that. What do you think, Jim? I, well, I think uh, you know, sometimes you lose two games on the spin, and there's a lot of overreaction. Um, you know, I, I still think in the last 10, 15 minutes, Wolves were, you know, they, they were petrified of, of us and we were playing them off the park. Um, admittedly, they were down to 10. Yeah, well, I mean, they were down to 10. And, you know, but if you look at, you've got to look at the stats over the two games. You know, we've had a hundred, almost 140% possession in those two matches against them. And that's, that's just staggering. You know, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't just say, oh well, you know, oh it's just pretty football. It doesn't do anything. We damage them. We really damage them, and we'll do that. To, we'll do that to most teams. You know, Ipswich probably, you know, they'll do the double over us. I would have thought. Um, we're not going to go there and shut up shop, are we? Um, but uh, you know, there, there'll be games at Derby at um, at uh, their place. It's going to be a different proposition. So, you know, so there there will be times when our ethos is tested to the limit, um, and there will be teams that are better than us probably on 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 the day. But you know, for for the majority, week in week out, it, it's going to be good enough to to win, and if not, get you know a point at the very least. I'm going to say that. I mean, I'm just throwing this into the pot. Just you know, rumours that are flying around. Uh, I mean, Mark Warburton's, a, you know, like I said to you, great manager, a great man manager as well. You know, 
again, whether or not this is right or wrong, but the rumours flying around that the you know the players um, went home for Christmas Day, spent their days with their families and everything like that, which is wonderful, and it's just great. And I know that you know a couple of years back, you know, a lot of the families were complaining the fact that they never see their their, their you know their, their their sons, their daughters, their dads over. Sorry, their sons and their, their their dads over Christmas. So this has given them an opportunity to spend it with their families, and also being spending with their families, you probably thought that that's going to actually give them some sort of focus and impetus for this game on Boxing Day. But then on the flip side of it, you know, you've probably had Ipswich who've been sitting in a hotel, unfortunately, on, on Boxing Day at three o'clock in the afternoon, maybe, or maybe coming six or seven o'clock in the in the evening, um, and and totally focusing on that game and. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing it into the pot there. Is this, you know, this is the big game that we had on a Boxing Day. And, uh, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Because there's a difficult one, sort of marrying up the sort of kind of family life thing with the doing the job on the following day. I, I, I'm not so sure. I, I would imagine they've got some sort of stats on if you have a day off training, how much you lose in terms of fitness and stuff. Um, Clough used to take his lot on the piss for a week before they won European Championships, so I, I'm not too concerned about that sort of thing. I mean, Jim, I'm just interested. What, what are your thoughts, especially as a journo? You know, that the fact that the team may have spent um, Christmas Day with their families, which is good. But on the other hand, you know, does it take away from the kind of the, the pre-match focus setup that we normally have, where the players come away maybe for a day and they focus on on, on a big game like this? I think I think a big part of uh... Mark Warburton's success over the past season and a bit is that he treats them like adults and if they put the work in, they get the rewards. And, uh, you know, he's come from an environment in the city where if you work hard, you get rewards. And they clearly are working hard or they wouldn't be achieving the success that they are. And I think the part of the reason they're achieving the success that they are is that they know that if they work hard, get results, they will get Christmas Day off. So, you know, I, th I think he's very, very firm but fair with them. Um, and I think that, that footballers like and respect that from a manager. I don't think that was a mistake. If, if, there, if there was a mistake at all on Boxing Day, it was bringing, bringing the kick-off time forward. If it was at three o'clock, I think there would have been better atmosphere in the ground. I think there would have been, um, it would have allowed the players to have their normal kind of... Um, their, you know, their 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 met metabolic clock or whatever whatever it is that you know. I, I know for a fact there was people staying in the same hotel as them, and they had their lunch at eight o'clock in the morning or something like that, eight or nine, just to bring it all. So it, it did it did affect their 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 normal routine, their match day routine, or their time. Yeah. So if there if there was a mistake, I think it there was no reason to have it at one o'clock. Um, it should have been a three or a five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. They're professional sportsmen. And uh, yeah, obviously, it will upset their sort of rhythm, I suppose, a little bit. But, you know, well, it didn't seem to affect Wolves too much in the first half. They were up and at us pretty much from the start. And I. You mean Ipswich? I, Ipswich and Wolves, to be honest. I mean, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, I, I just think the last couple of games we've been. And I know Mark Warburton didn't think this was the case that we were out-muscled in the Ipswich game. I felt we were a little bit. Um, we just weren't quite on it. Um, and, you know, at this level, you've got you've got to have virtually everybody in the team on their game. And we have had this season. So, and, and we will again, you know. So I don't, I don't think there's any, uh, any crisis, to be honest, at all. McCarthy did a brilliant 
brilliant bit of homework and he did a proper job on us. You know, he, it, we played exactly as he as he expected and exactly as he, he set up for. And um, his players knew what was coming their way, and they, you know, they fair play again. Yeah, they, they they did a they did a proper job on us, and um, I'm just glad we got the two goals. Or Sammy Saunders got the two goals, which gave gave the scoreline a a more positive slant because you know it, it could have been four nil and that would have been that would have been that would have been nasty I think on Boxing Day. You know, I think um yeah. I I, I don't think it's um I think it's the end of the world. Talking about playing Ipswich, talking about playing Wolves, talking about playing these teams, besides decided because it was exactly halfway through the season, we might go out and ask the fans exactly who they thought were the best teams that we played the season, the worst teams we played the season, and also what our best and worst away days are. And very interesting results that came out of there. Um, Ipswich was by far and away the best team that we thought we played. Um, they got a lot of the votes there. Second best, though, was Middlesbrough. And third best was Derby, um, which is interesting. There's other teams that were just flitting around there. Bournemouth were flitting around maybe as, as one of the third best teams. Remember, we played them very early on in the season. Um, then, coming out as the worst team, by far and away, the worst team was Leeds United, uh, who a lot of the fans just said, you know, by far and away, Leeds, they weren't happening at all. The away days, the away day that came out as the top away day was Nottingham Forest away. People seemed to enjoy that one enormously. And then quite close behind Forest was actually Cardiff, which is interesting. Because Cardiff is a place that we used to normally go and have loads of fear. Fear, Cardiff, Ninian Park, we used to come out there and there's all sorts of nonsense used to go down there. But no, Cardiff was a great away day for a lot of people. And the worst away days were Borough, which was basically, you know, 4-0. People just weren't happy that Brentford turned up that day. And then the second worst away day was Bolton. So uh, you had a look at this little survey, boys, and uh, what was your thoughts? Definitely Forest for me, best away day, fantastic, friendly, um, and I think that was that was the game where we all started to think, hang on a second, you know we can we can cut it away from home as well as at home in this division. And for you, Matt? Um, yeah, away day. I'm I'm with Forest as well. That's a bit boring, I know, but um, you know it was a it was really nice, sort of just a good day out, wasn't it? You know the pubs were nice before the game. Um, People seem relatively friendly. Um, worst away day, I had down as Millwall, um, mainly because of being held outside in the rain for that time. So I kind of like forgetting the results. I'm just talking about the fan experience. I thought, um, for, as, a, as a fan day out, I thought Middlesbrough was um, an excellent, excellent day, despite the result. I, I, I think I've enjoyed that day more than any other um, as a traveller, as a, as a drinker, as a, as a, as a kind of a, an away dayer. Um, I thought Forest was great. Um, it was an evening game, so there was thought, talk, you know, thoughts about getting back afterwards. You know, it was, it was, it was sort of a, it was a bit of rushed afterwards. I think we, I don't think we got a chance to enjoy it properly as we would have done if it was a Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, th- th- those two. But I think Card- Cardiff was Cardiff was great as a result. I think the, re- I think the, re- you know, they're going three and up at half time here. I think it probably um, sh- shrouds the, you know, it was, it was probably a, an, a, an average, an average one um, in terms of sort of drinking before the game. But um, just shows you how, how far we've come, though. With we're saying games like Bolton is like a terrible one. We had like places like Crew and what have you last year. It's just, it's just ridiculous. We've come such a long way. It's just, it's just fantastic that we're, 
we're, we're you know we're having these these, these fixtures compared to what we're used to. It's just it's brilliant. Yeah, and for me, Borough, I mean, was a event. For me, 4 0 we lost, but Borough was an absolutely fantastic at the way day. And I'd, I'd recommend anybody, if we, if they don't go up and we don't go up next season, go there next season. Just book it three months in advance because it's wicked. We found some wicked places. The fans were absolutely fantastic. We had an absolute ball. They booked themselves to come down next month as well. They booked up three months early because they said Brentford is the game for them. They're going to be down here from 9 o'clock in the morning and it's going to be absolutely humming down here, I can guarantee you. Forest uh, Borough was great. Forest was a really good laugh as well. I did enjoy Forest and Bolton, for me, that was just a, that was a humdinger of a game. That was just that was just a nightmare. It was, it was horrible. And, uh, you, know, I, I've, you know, I probably will go back there again, but I'm not really looking forward to going back there again. Um, what, what I did think was interesting, though, is that obviously, you know, we, we spent Ipswich, Borough, and Derby were three, you know, three big teams. But it's interesting to see the teams that didn't feature in in the sort of kind of best teams that we've played, which were teams where, if you can imagine, at the end of the last season, and we looked at all, we looked at the fixtures when we're coming out here, and we look forward to play, you know playing teams like Leeds and, and Blackburn Rovers and even Reading, and you know, and, and I wouldn't say Charlton so much, but you know, all these teams, and uh, and they weren't up there at all. And it just again, it shows you how the flip is, where you know what is perceived when you come into the league, and when you're actually getting down to the nuts and the bolts of it, and what actually happens now. And uh, you know, I'm you know I'm quite stunned that a lot of these teams who we were fearing playing, to be quite honest with you, and uh, we've got no real, we, got, we actually got no real fear. We could just go out and do our thing. I it? think I think that was the big issue at the start of the season. We were looking at the fixture list and seeing, you know, big names and thinking, oh, God, you know, off the pitch, on the pitch, this is this is iffy. And then, you know, as, as Mark Warburton said, you're not playing the names, you're playing 11 players. And as soon as we started to realise that and started to achieve on the pitch, then, then we turned a corner. So there were a lot of, there've been a lot of little sort of watersheds throughout the season for me. Um, and I think now we can only, push on really and today's another one uh, well I say you know I think you know going forward we, we now are in a position where we can keep passing these watersheds and get stronger and stronger I think something you said Bill um, is, is, I, I really sort of struck a chord is that we used to go to places like Cardiff and be fearful um, I think in the 20 odd years since we were back at this level um, I think you can see how football's changed. I, I, I don't, I don't feel that edge anymore. Maybe we're a bit older. Maybe we're not a threat anymore. But I, I, we, I used to travel away to these, to these grounds and be quite, quite daunted by, you know, the experience. And you have to, you know, you'd, you'd have to sort of hide your colours and you'd, you'd have to, you know, you have to be really, really on your guard. Um, I'm not, I don't want to be flippant, and I don't want to take you for granted. But I just think football is a completely different experience these days. And I, I, I just don't feel I don't feel danger, and that's not saying there isn't any, but I just um, I think I think football has come on leaps and bounds, and uh, you know I think this year um, hopefully we won't we won't you know we won't experience anything untoward. Probably not. I mean, again, don't want to be stereotypical, and I went there with a very open mind, but. You have to remember, you know, when we came out of Millwall, we were locked in for 40 minutes, and uh, according to the police, there was a reason for that. Now, I'm not saying things were going to happen or they weren't going to happen, but, you know, we got locked in for 40 minutes in the rain like it was 1980 at Millwall. Millwall's different, yeah. Okay, fair enough. 
do you, do you think there's sort of they like to per, you know they like to keep that myth going though in some respects you know this is a this is a place to come where everyone's going to be scared the away team's going to be scared the away supporters and I, I don't know really whether it's I don't know if it is what it is maybe but it's not it doesn't do much good on the pitch really does it I mean you know if if that if that, I'd be very surprised if that was the case I don't think the police would uh, would play along with that in any way but. I don't know. I mean, I think they try Millwall, don't they? They do try to, you know, improve their image. But uh, I think it's always gonna gonna have. You're always gonna have problems down and, there. And, and it's interesting as well because coming back to this uh, this survey that we did, you know, the best best of the worst away days and the best and worst teams. Millwall actually was right up there with Brentford fans as the best away day of the year so far. But it was also really high up there as the worst away day of the year so far. It's like schizophrenia. It sort of kind of gets people both ways. And I think at the end of the season, we'll probably take the survey again to see what people thought overall. It'll be really interesting to see the matchup between what's happened now at the end of the year and what happens at the end of the season. So, it's 2015. And what happens in 2015? Early in 2015, the transfer window opens up. That's when a lot of people get extremely excited. Uh, Brentford had a bit of early news. We didn't even wait for the window to open up, but we looked like we were going to sign a new midfielder. Yet another midfielder, this time from Glasgow Rangers, a guy called Lewis McLeod. 20 years old. He's been at Rangers since he's been 10, an attacking midfielder. He normally plays through the middle, but apparently McCoyst has been playing him out of position on the wing. He's a newbie, yet another midfielder. Is this something, another, is this another midfielder that we need? Or is there a shrouded reason why we're buying ourselves yet another midfielder, boys? Discuss. The shrouded reason, I reckon, is the Brentford Panini sticker page. They, they, they've got eight pages now of Brentford midfielder stickers. So I reckon it's just to get for Panini to get a few more quid out of, out of unsuspecting punters. Um, yeah, well, there's there's a lot of midfielders on our books now, and there's only there's only twelve of them that can get a game every week. <laughs> I, I, I really is is there someone leaving, Bill? Will there be someone leaving? Do we bring him into someone's or Neofsky? Um, are we going to play no defenders and no forwards? You, that's, that's your theory, Matt, is, is it not? Well, you know, uh, didn't Germany win the win the World Cup with a is it, what do they call it? A, what's the trendy word? A false number nine. So maybe that's the you know maybe that's the future. We're just going to you know pack ourselves full of midfielders. I don't know. I I, I suspect that isn't the case. And um, but I don't know really. It's, it's a funny one because. I mean, you, you could say Douglas hasn't signed a new contract. Does that come into it? I don't know. Um, you know, Pritchard, Willie, won't he? What's going on there? Um, or is it just a good investment? The kid's, you know, he's 20 years old. I'd be, if he was 28 years old and we were spending money on him, I'd be seriously wondering what was going on. But it's not going to be a bad investment. I don't know if he's going to, how much he's going to play. And as you said, you know, as has been said, we haven't got a reserve team. So, you know, sometimes if you've got too many players in the same position, it could be difficult to get everyone happy but yeah um, I think the fact he's 20 um, makes me feel reasonable about it this would, I mean despite the fact we haven't uh, got much cover up front and for me that is still a priority um, I think if you've got a, a young kid who is sort of setting the, the, the Scottish League admittedly not the Premiership up there alike 
you know, and everyone's talking about him, and he's a million, and he's 20, and he's already in the Scotland squad. I think you'd be mad not to get in there quick and try and bring him down, especially with the David Weir connection. Um, you know, that's obviously had a major part on on um, getting him down to Brentford. And you sort of, you know, I, I I haven't got any problem with having midfielders there at all. I mean, look at look at where the goals have come from this season. You know, everyone's chipping in. Uh, with goals and Andre Grazy icing on the cake, get another one to play off him, you know, and I think we'd we'd be laughing and and you know it makes me wonder what Hogan would have been like had he sort of gone straight in and hit the ground running. I'm just wondering if if, if again Brentford are just sort of sending out a sign, they're sending out a signal. Um, interestingly, last season, you know, somebody said to me, you know, we were trying to sign players desperately. I remember, and I, I talked about this before, at the beginning of last year, around about September, when we were desperately trying to fly, sign a striker and I think maybe a centre-back, and we really, really struggled. And everybody turned us down, and in the end, we signed Trotter on loan. And that's because that was an opportunity that was open to us. And I remember we were told that no one... When we, you know, when we were going over to these these Spanish teams, when we were going to these higher sort of Premier League teams, they didn't want to send their players down to Division One. But now that we're in the Championship, you know, the doors have opened a bit. Now that we're actually a top six Championship team, obviously the doors have opened massively because people are starting to take us seriously. So all of a sudden, it's kind of probably got to a scenario where Brentford, instead of almost like begging people, saying, "Please come and play for us. This is what we're doing. We're really good," is the, the tables have turned. It's like Actually, if you want to play for us, you can do because we know we're really good. And if you want to be part of it, and if you don't, let's move on. And I think with a player like you know McLeod, um, he's an opportunity has come up, and they just thought, well, we can either nab this player now, or we could wait for Pritchard to decide whether or not he wants to play for us, or whether or not Spurs are going to let him to us. And we'll be waiting till the end of the season. Then they turn around and say no, and the opportunity is gone. Or we're just going to go off and do our own thing because we could do that now. And I think that's a really positive change in the attitude of Brentford now where we're just like, we're doing this on our own terms now. Pritchard, I think he's a wicked player. But there's one thing that does bug me a little bit. He's still got a Tottenham photograph on his uh, Twitter and also it's Tottenham player and England international. It's like... Actually, mate, you, you're playing for Brentford and you're scoring goals for Brentford and you're laying off for Brentford now. You could say maybe even Brentford on loan from Tottenham, but no, there's there's a Tottenham in this Tottenham kit and everything like that, which is great. But it sometimes needs. And maybe that's me just being a little bit petty. But I'm thinking, come on, we need players who are playing for us who are Brentford players who really want to be Brentford players. And you know, just little signs like that. Maybe it's just a. Uh, he didn't even think about it. But it kind of does resonate when you sort of think, listen, if you're going to bring in somebody and he wants to be a Brentford player and he's going to make up his mind and be a Brentford player, then we need to look at these guys. You're mm. suggesting that we spent a million pounds because Pritchard's got an inappropriate Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being petty. I mean, that's not the only, but you you hear, you know, understand what I'm saying. I'm just, because you don't know what's going on. You don't know what the agent's saying. You don't know what's what's going on in the background here and you know we had the same thing with Saville last season, season. Saville was great we put him on the map we, we put him in the team where maybe other people wouldn't have done we said come on mate you know you're going to be part of our thing when we're moving on to the next level and he just went thank you very much I'll move on there's no problem with that but listen you know we need our own players over the next three weeks while January windows open I think it's going to be fascinating to do these podcasts and just see how, how this kind of 
this this plot unravels. Um, you know whether whether there are players going on going you know on the through the outdoor whether Lewis McLeod the rival um, is going to affect and someone else. I mean you know whether it be Pritchard, whether it be whoever else, whether Jota's about to leave, whether or the Badjo's about to leave, whether Judge is going to be sold for twenty five million pounds. You know something something must be going on as well as um, Lewis McLeod's availability. Um, and I, I just, you know, I'm not going to second guess it. I've got no idea. Um, but uh, it, it, it's some, something, something's going to happen either next week or the week after. And all of this will make sense because Warburton and Benham are very clever. And this is a game of chess. No, no, no and let's not, but let's not second guess it. But look, let's just, let's just look at it. Let's just look at the scenario, okay? So, I mean, what positions would you say that we need in, in this open um, transfer window, realistically? I think a centre forwards uh, priority because Andre Gray, you know, he's, for me, probably the best centre forward we've had down there since Tricky, uh, Richard Cadet, or or even Steve Phillips. To be honest, he's strong, powerful, but you've got to remember that it's his first season, and he will, you know, he he will have a little barren spell. It's not going to carry on the whole season, and he will need a, a, a rest, I reckon. Um, although I'm sure. Warburton and, and himself would disagree with that, but you do need someone to take the pressure off him. You know, I know a lot of people not keen on Proschwitz, but you know when he's come on, it you know he he's a, he's clearly an intelligent footballer and he's better than what we would have had last season. Is he the answer? I don't know. I don't know. But I think you know signing McLeod is a, is a marquee signing if you like. It's saying it's a, a signing of intent and a statement. And I think we need a similar one in in the centre forward position, plus centre back as well, probably for 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 cover. Well, interesting you talk about centre back because obviously there's been talk about getting this guy from Watford at times, and that was shunned. But there's been you know quite a few talks about getting in a a, a defender and a centre back. And again, I'm just you know I'm just mimicking and talking about conversations that's been had on the train, conversations that's been had on Twitter, that's been had on on forums and stuff, and. Um, Brentford's come into this division. Uh, we expected to just hopefully, as fans, keep above the parapet. So hopefully we just don't get relegated. We found ourselves in the playoff places. You know, we could easily finish in the top ten, possibly in the top six. You know, if we carry on with this momentum, maybe bring in a couple of extra players. A few people have mentioned the fact that you know, again, um, that that Tony Craig, who is a fantastic captain and a great leader for Brentford, but. On a couple of occasions, you know, he's been caught out in scenarios. Now, it, what is the scenario situation here? Because we're talking about getting an extra centre back, and um, a lot of people are saying, you know, we need maybe three or four different centre backs to be part of Brentford with different combinations to to try and combat the different styles of football that we may be getting in this division. First of all, Bill, there, can I just stop you there? Tony Craig has been quality this season and his reading of the game is, is superb. So for him to have to get found out in a couple of games and people start sort of raising questions about him, I think it's just laughable to be honest. I think the bloke is superb. You know, you look at some of the top centre backs, they make mistakes, they don't get this, and I think I think it's just nonsense people having a having a not having a pop at him, but questioning his sort of ability to deal with those balls over the top with People running from from strikers running from deep like Ipswich did, 
you know, he'll sort that out. He's 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 a, he's a good player. Okay. Again, I'm just I'm saying a bit devil's advocate and I'm throwing it into the pot and just, just funneling all the information and the words that are coming through because there's a point of discussion here. I mean, I, the thing for Craig, about Craig for me is that he gives us great balance because I, I like the idea that you, can have, you have a left-footed centre-back plays on the left and a right-footed centre-back plays on the right. The times we've seen Tarkowski and Dean play together, there may be an argument they're the two best centre-backs of the club. But, you know, everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses. Um, that, for me, doesn't look as balanced as when Craig plays. So, um, for the minute, um, you know, Craig plays in the first 11 for me. I'm, I'm hearing through the uh, grapevine that we may be looking towards Spain again for a defensive a defensive player. So, um, again, be interesting to see how that, that pans out over the next couple of weeks and uh, see if this... Uh, this tomato is, uh, is is a trustworthy one. There might be an argument that says we should be looking for a defender that can play at right back and centre back, or left back and centre back, um, in some respects, because we're possibly short of right and left back. Um, however, having said that, I don't actually think we play the sort of football that is going to suit a player that can play at centre back and right back, because our right backs really need, you know, our, our left and right backs need to be able to get forwards. So if Craig played, for example, at left back, because you could argue he's a bit of a, you know, he could fit in there because he's left-footed, I think we would then see a weakness because of his, you know, he's not going to be able to go forwards like Bidwell does. So I've sort of, you know, I'm, I think we do need some cover at right and left back as well in some respects. I think what's going to be really fascinating as well, it's, it's fasc- it will be a fascinating transfer window for Brentford because it, it will it will sort of um, show the intent or the or the target for the rest of the season. If we spend big, then I think they'll they're they're, they're obviously going to try and go for promotion. If we kind of play it play it kind of bit of bit of both ways and pick up pick up one or two and and and, and give give the others more time, then that that shows that we're going to consolidate this year. Um, but I'm also intrigued to see. When Warburton starts to get a bit ruthless, which might happen at some time soon, because at the moment he's giving everyone a chance and not really dropping people for for one or two um, appearances that fall below a certain level. He's not. He, I know. He, I know. We, we made two changes for to Wolves, but he's not. I don't think that was ruthless. Um, I think it's a soon we might see him start replacing players. With, with, with transfers, which will be quite ruthless, and I think he'll do it, and I and, and I I think that will be a, an interesting period. So who would we sell? Just just I'm just throwing it into the pot. If we were forced to, or a situation came, I mean, who would we sell, or who could we sell? The window came in, and we had to we had to sell some players because we wanted to buy some players. We got F FP financial fair players, well, which means that we got to keep things within a certain bracket, you know. So all of a sudden, we said, look. We've got, we might have to sort of put some players out the door to bring some players in. Our first question I ask is, Will Grigg, what's going to happen there? I think he'll go. I think uh, Milton Keynes could come in for him or a, another club in, in League One. Um, decent player, but I'm not sure that he's quite up to, to championship standard. Will we get our money back for him? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, possibly. He scored a, you know, he scored a fair yeah. few goals for, yeah. for, for that for that team, and uh, you know they're doing all right. I mean, they're not short of a bit of cash, are they? 
No. So, okay, that'll be interesting as well. Um, another couple of people throwing the pot as well. You know, we've got we talk about Te Tebar. I mean, Tebar's disappeared off the radar a little bit, and he he is a Brentford player. I mean, what's what's going on there? I don't see that we're getting any money for him because he hasn't played. So, um, yeah, I don't think he doesn't look. Unfortunately for him, it it doesn't look like at the moment he's got a future at the club because he is one of the older players. I think he's 27, 28. I um, mean, he's not getting a look in. Um, he looks like he's a decent player, but possibly just hasn't adjusted to the pace that football's played out in the Championship. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You look at the, the Spanish players and there's T-Bar or T-Bar, um, Terrell and Hotter. Hotter's adapted brilliantly. He's always playing with his head up and he's, he's you know, he's just a flair player. Terrell looks the part because he's quite strong and physical and, you know, you see... They take Jonathan Douglas off and, and Terrell will come in. Tabar doesn't really fit into either of those categories. So, yeah, I think I agree with Matt there. It's a, a tricky one, really. Um, so, potentially, he could be one that, that you know, could go. But as, he, as Matt says, I'm not sure that, you know, we'd, we'd get money for him. But, undoubtedly, a, a good footballer, you know. And, and, and I'd be devil's advocate here as well. What would happen if, you know, one of these teams... You know, came up. You know, one of these teams with a big, you know, uh, foreign owner, and just came in and, and, and bid loads of money for one of our players like Odebaju or Gray or Jota. You know, somebody says, "I'll give you eight million for Odebaju." You know, well, yeah, 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 then you'd sell, wouldn't you? You know, you know every give, player's every player's got his price. You know, I'll give you eight. Million. I'll give you eight million for Jota. You know, what what do we do then? You know, well, that's part of the 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 running of a football club, isn't it? It's a business. You know, and, and Brentford fans are realistic enough to know that although we're not a selling club anymore, every player does have his price, and that goes for, you know, for whatever club you're at, doesn't it? And do you think that's likely to happen this uh, transfer window? No, I don't know why, but I just don't. I think, uh, you know, you look at certain players around, and yeah, undoubtedly he's a skillful player, Hotter. Um, but then you've seen people like Jordan Rhodes and. You know, I would have thought that he'd have been snapped up by a Premiership club by now, but I think they like to wait and bide their time and 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 check that they're they're getting the whole package, um, and that may be why you know Brentford have been able to nip in and and take McLeod from under their noses. They're certainly the three that jump out, Bill. You know, if if we are to lose one, and I, I won't be surprised if we do lose one one of our better players, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going, "Oh, here we go, same old Brentford, going to sell just when it's looking good." But it, it would be different this time. You know, we we saw that by selling Porshaw, it it allowed us to go to another level, and um, we we've improved without him. Um, and I, and I, I think, you know, in a strange kind of way. If we were to lose them at this stage of the season rather than in the close season, um, it allows us to try um, out a few options, you know, maybe on loan to start with, but with a view to a, a long-term, long-term sort of signing with, a, with with replacements, and and we can try a few things and get it right for next season rather than try and rush it and make make a like-for-like signing in the summer when you can't really you can't really you don't really know what you're getting. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if we get rid of one. It's not going to be a wholesale I mean, fire sale, um, but you know it, it will allow us to maybe look at you know settle a few financial fair play 
queries and then uh, um, improve, um, maybe spend a little bit more on, a, on the striker that we, we need. Yeah, I mean, for me, again, I, I, I know nothing, and this is pure speculation, but I just have a slight gut feeling that, you know, somebody might surprise us by just, you know, I, I, I'm not saying someone's going to leave, but I just, I don't know, there's this, 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 this guy coming in, he's going to be good, he's highly rated, you know, maybe there's a lot of hype from his agent and a lot of hype from the newspapers or something, but again, it's in a position which we wouldn't have expected him to come in, and you, you always sort of think, you know, um, there's a reason behind that. And and I I'm just wondering because we know that we need to buy a striker because Gray can't do it all in his own and that's going to cost us money and maybe there's a, sort of a, a yin and yang and a mix and match where basically maybe we are going to flog a player because somebody's going to offer us loads of money for him and we're going to uh, sell we're going to, and we're going to buy this player in and then buy ourselves a striker that's just you know I might be wrong but you know we can only speculate can't we Yeah I mean I think you know you look at the the track record with signing players, you know, of Mark Warburton and Matthew Benham and, and David Weir, it's pretty good. So I just think that uh, whatever they do, they will do for the good of the club, you know, and I'm, that's the first time, sort of, you know, in a long, long time of watching Brentford that I can honestly put hand on heart and say that, that I'll be quite confident in whatever they decide to do. FA Cup weekend and brilliant with no panic at all. Brentford actually got through to the first time in a long time with no flutter to the third round of the FA Cup. And no trip to Carlisle either. No trip to Carlisle. And we're playing Brighton. Played them a few months back, beaten 3-2. I thought they actually looked fairly decent on the ball. Um, Not a lot up front and defensively a little bit tricky, but I thought that it was a really exciting game, that one. Just got their manager sacked, or sorry, he resigned, Sammy Hippie. So things have all changed out at Brighton. No manager at the moment, but probably will have someone in charge, or maybe, for the game at the weekend. So it's our FA Cup run is starting against Brighton. We're going to have a little chat to Mr. Ralph Brown. Uh, Ralph Brown, big Brighton fan, and you've probably seen him on the big screen as well. Movies like Widnell and I, The Boat That Rocked, Star Wars, Killing Bono, Mean Machine, plus loads more. Mr. Ralph Brown, not even in Brighton, he's over in LA or New York or somewhere stateside. He's going to chat to us about his Brighton team and what he thinks of them and the FA Cup at the weekend. Big FA Cup game at the weekend, third round. B's gone straight through to the third round. Brighton gone straight through to the third round. No faffing. Uh, we've, got, we've got used to just being seeded in the third round. It now comes as per normal, whereas, of course, for you guys, that's a very bubbly, heady feeling indeed, isn't it? That's right. And chirping at the other end of the line, we have Mr Ralph Brown speaking to us, not from Brighton, not from the seaside on that side, but on the other side of the water, on the other side of the ocean. We're actually speaking to him in Brooklyn. Ralph Brown, big Brighton fan, big actor, just hanging out in Brooklyn with the homies, as they say. Yeah. Well, they don't say that anymore, actually, do they, Ralph? They haven't said it for, I don't know, maybe they do. I'm not, I, I don't hang out with them. So uh, next time I see them, I'll ask them. <laughs> well, you, listen, Ralph. Yes. Listen, mate, you're a massive Brighton fan. Yeah. You go to all the games. You've been to the old stadium, the new stadium, the medium stadium. Yeah. But you're actually in America. What are you doing out there, mate? I've moved here. I live here. Uh, why is that? Because it's better. 
I just like it. I, I just wanted to spend some of my life in New York, and I've, I've spent a lot of my life in London. I've spent a lot of my life in Brighton, and um, I was started to feel like I was mulching down into retirement. I was so deeply satisfied with my life in Brighton, and I thought I needed a good kick up the arse before I before I uh, shuffled off this mortal's coil. So not, nowhere better to get a kick up the arse than New York City. So, I mean, I've got to ask the question. The Albion, obviously you must miss not going down the Albion every week or every other week. I've been absolutely relieved not to have had that chore this season, Billy, to be absolutely honest with you. <laughs> I've been watching from afar as we spiralled ever closer to the relegation zone and eventually nestled in there quite comfortably. Um, and uh, it's been an absolutely disastrous season, considering the last two seasons have been, have been, really, have been really good. I mean... The worst thing I think this season for me has been, I mean, I'm a proper football fan, as you know, Billy, and I like to watch match of the day as a kind of an hors d'oeuvre before the proper football comes on around midnight and you get to see the championship, League One and League Two. And, uh, you know, watching match of the day with all the team that Gus Poyet had at Brighton playing in the Premiership, you know, Ujoa's at Leicester, Bridcutts at Sunderland, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, Barnes is at Burnley. I mean, they're not playing for big teams, but they're all getting more money than we were paying them, and they're all playing in the Premiership, which is where we should be. The other flip side of it, and I'm not going to go, is that you came out of Division One, where you you were absolutely fantastic that year, where we were in there together, and you you won that league by a bit of a almost like a bit of a canter that year, didn't you? Who do you remember who was second? Uh, that second was was it Southampton? Yeah. It was Southampton, but it just goes to show you what a strong league that was that year. But that's and the we measure ourselves against, Billy. You know, they're just up the coast, and they've got a decent youth policy, and look where they are. You know, they sold six of their best players in the summer, and their manager went to Spurs, and they're actually better this season. How does that work? That's, I mean, again, that just—I mean, again—it goes to show you that there was work in progress when they were down in Division One, and maybe being down in Division One actually did them a bit of a favour because they were actually able to sort of kind of just, just reignite themselves, actually rethink about what they're doing, start, you know, building on that whole developing youth thing and do it with probably slightly less pressure than they would have had to do it if they were in the prim, where they had to go and, you know, felt they might have had to spend all this big money and actually got themselves in trouble like other teams had done. I mean, they're a model club. I hate to say it as a huge rival, but they're a model club and uh, I love watching them play this season. I was hoping they'd turn Chelsea over the other day, but they didn't. The last time we spoke, you were having absolute palpitations because uh, you guys had gone down pretty much without a fight to Millwall on the box, which you had the, the great pleasure of, or not the pleasure of watching when you were in LA. Yeah, yeah. No, I watched every minute of that game and I just thought that's one of the worst bright performances I'd seen in my whole life. And I've seen some pretty bad ones. Um, they were headless chickens, you know, there was no, there was no shape, there was no organisation, they didn't seem to be playing together at all, no passion, just, um, you know, Millwall weren't much, weren't much better, but uh, they didn't need to be. And, you know, yeah, Hoopy is obviously a decent guy, but I don't think decent guys necessarily make good football coaches. You know. And, and Hoopy, I mean, you said he was a decent guy, but you were actually quite a big supporter of the Bin the Finn campaign, yeah, weren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're obviously happy he's gone now. I'm very happy he's gone. I, I, I think he should have gone way before that Millwall game. Uh, having watched that Millwall game, I was astonished that he didn't get the sack after that game. Uh, and then he got the sack after the next game, which was odd. But anyway, listen, the way these people do business, there's compensation money and all kinds of other nonsense going on in the background, I expect. 
course. But um, th- this is what I read about. This is what I think. And I did tell you, didn't I, Billy, that uh, I would probably give you a very large amount of money if, if Sammy was in charge for the FA Cup game. And I kind of guaranteed you that he wouldn't be. <laughs> I seem to yeah. remember. Yes, he did. <laughs> if I, I said he won't be managing anyone come, come January the 3rd. And... Uh, which is which is just how football is. It's a tough business. But um, look, he he's a decent guy. He's he's gone on record as saying, "I lead by example. I don't like. I'm not a guy that likes to shout in the dressing room. I like to lead by example. I'm I'm dignified and I'm strong. And I'm like, you know what, mate? You're running around with a bunch of twenty year old kids who need a slap around the head and an arm around the shoulder. And if you need to do both of those things to be a good manager, Ferguson, Redknapp, you know what I mean? That's how it is. It doesn't matter what country they come from. The players are little, they're young men, you know, they're, 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 they're youth, you know. You don't, they're not going to look up to your example of the big, quiet, Finnish guy being dignified in the corner. That ain't going to work. And I don't, think it's, I don't think it's worked for him. And he just yeah. needs, if he's going to be a manager, he needs to kind of develop another l- layer, you know. And it's a shame because I think he knows his football and I think he's, he's, he's obviously a winner as well as a player. But um, there wasn't a good match. He now yeah, no. Chrissy Hooten on the way apparently, but but see the big big gap at Newcastle all of a sudden, and he's he's managed them successfully before, but there's probably a bit of history. Probably wouldn't want to go back. I'm going to ask you. I mean, I know that you've had a really terrible run, pulled out of it a little bit, but have you still got half an eye on the playoffs, or will just a cup run do this season? Uh, Mid table would do for me. I, I'm absolutely distraught. I, I really think we should be in the prem by now, so we need to start all over again, back to before. When we were in League One, we're not as good as we were when we were in League One at the moment. You know, we don't have those players that we have when we're in League One. Um, and Crofts, who's probably our best player, is now injured. He's out for the rest of the season. Very unlucky with injuries. You know, you, you, you need winners. You need players who want to win games. But players who don't like losing. Crofts is one of those. Um, obviously, <clears throat> there's a bit of passion there now. We, we, we won at Fulham. Maybe we can do two, two trips to West London in a week, you know, and... Uh, so, you know, football's a funny old game. I, I, I would have thought Brentford would be really uninterested in the cup run this season. Um, looking at where you are and looking at the, the prize on offer, I would imagine some of the players might not fancy the game against Brighton on Saturday. So, Ralph, I'm going to ask you to give us a score prediction. Um, I think it'll be 2-2. Ah, bring it back to the... Uh, yeah, back to the Amex. Back to the Amex. That'll be interesting. And I'm going to ask you two more questions. Yes, I'm going to flip it back into your personal life and... Big actor, Ralph Brown, what is the best, or the, the, the not the best, but the, the best movie that you've made, the one that you've enjoyed the most? The one that I've made? Yeah. The next that one. You've been in, that you've been in. Next one. And what's that? Well, it's always the next one. Whatever the next one is, is the best one. It's a philosophical <laughs> answer, me also. Uh, uh, okay, the, well, the, probably the best fun I had on a film was, uh, was Wayne's World 2. So that's the, that's the number one. Big, big comedy movie. I had a fantastic part in it. I was being treated like I mattered. I was getting paid like I mattered. It was one of those fantasy jobs that come around once every 20 years. So it, was, it wasn't you and Wally Downs? Uh, well, I'm still in touch with Wally, bless his cotton socks. Yeah, yeah I'll never forget him saying to me, all right, we're going to have a 10-minute break now. All the footballers come around here, just warm down. All the actors stand over there, talk about Pinta. <laughs> as in Mean Machine as well. <laughs> And yeah. that was that. Uh, you, you, Vinnie Jones was in that. Uh, Jason Statham. So quite a few names in there, to be fair. Yeah, Danny uh, Dyer was in it as well. Uh, that's right. That must have been good fun. 
It was, well, it was good fun, but it was also hard work. It, hard work at a different level. I was 44 then, and I was playing football properly. Do you know what I mean? Like, all day. Yeah. You, uh, were getting, you were getting kicked about the place, weren't you? I was getting... Well, not particularly. I, I had to tackle Vinny, and I had to... You know, I tackled him, and, and, and uh, the directs went, no, that's, it's got to be worse than that. And Vinny comes over, he goes, well, you've got to have me. You've got to have me, mate. It's all right, don't worry about it. Just, you, you've just got to have me. <laughs> so it was like, okay, turning, rolling, and sound, action, lapse. <laughs> and I got a round of applause from the, um, from the professional footballers, and a couple of them came up to me and said, well, that was a premiership foul, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and that is in the movie. Finish mind, he just got up and went, yeah, what? Nice one, mate. <laughs> all right, Ralph. And listen, I just want to know what are your three best moments for 2014? Football moments. That's your football moments, mate. <laughs> They're thin and on the ground. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to say um, watching uh, Leonardo. Ujoa score for us against uh, Leicester City when we beat them 4-1 at uh, the Keepmote Stadium. Um, he is sadly now gone to Leicester. All right, OK. Cheers. Brilliant player. He's a proper centre-forward, Argentinian. Got a left foot, right foot, can hold it up. Silky skills, really good in the air. Great defender in the air. He's got, it, he's got the whole thing. He's the kind of player we keep letting go. Glenn Murray is a similar type of player. We let him go. But Leo was my favourite player of the album while he was there. Uh, second favourite memory of this, this 2014 was um, floating down the River Amazon on a boat looking at monkeys at the World Cup in Brazil. And I would have to say my third favourite moment would be also in Brazil, would be uh, having some entertainment and drinks with you on the, a rooftop hotel <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in Rio de Janeiro with Fat Boy Slim DJing and uh, uh, and just World Cup fever, you know. Yeah, that was that was a good uh, that was good fun that day. I have to be I'm good fun that day and night and that whole little trip that we did together. I have to admit. And well, yes, when you met Gary Lineker that night, I did meet Gary. I, I, not only did I meet Gary Lineker, I, Gary. I interviewed Gary Lineker. Bless him. At, He's such a sweetheart. He was, to be fair, you know, and I've put it up. You could Google it on, uh, just Google Gary Lineker um, World Cup fan cam, and it's up there yeah. as well. Yeah, well, I, was, I saw it live. But listen, back to the weekend, Ralph. Yes. To all FA Cup game. Yes. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be quite exciting. You know, exciting for Brighton. It's a new page has been turned for them. Exciting for Brentford because it's a new year for us and we're still in the top six. So let's keep our fingers crossed. It's going to be a good game. Let's. It's been great chatting to you, Ralph. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Yes, Billy. When you can actually be bothered to grace the UK with your presence. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back at some point in February. And so let's have a look at the calendar and see what's on. Definitely. Yeah. Take it easy, Ralph. All right, man. Nice one. Cheers, Peace out. So that was Ralph Brown chatting from stateside about his Brighton and the FA Cup at the weekend. And binning the fin. Boys, this FA Cup, it's quite important actually now, isn't it? It's taken a different different lean now, now that we're in the championship, hasn't it? You know, we're in a perfect position to have a go at it as well. You know, we're pretty much, well, I'm touching wood here, pretty much guaranteed of safety in the championship now. Um, you know, success breeds success. You get a decent cup run that can, you know, push you up into keep you in the playoffs. 
Um, and obviously there's a revenue side of it as well. So yeah, I don't, don't see why not. And let's face it, we're only, I'm not sure, four or five games away from Wembley, aren't we? It scares uh, where, where we'll lose, obviously. But scares the living life out of me, the thought of winning the FA Cup. Do we win the FA Cup? <laughs> we were in the Europa League next year. And <laughs> can, you, can you imagine like the trips that we're going to have to do? Like, to these weird, weird, wacky places. Prague. Nice Prague up here, right? Latvia and, I mean, <coughs> and you know we would go, and it was, it was. I, well, I'd have to sell my house and everything I own to, to, to do this, and um, so that scares me. We, 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 yeah, you're right. We, we, we should take it seriously. Um, I think it's good that we've got a, a two, a two-week kind of breather from league action as well. Um, we, we might play a couple of. Um, you know, the, of the subs and put a couple of first teamers on the bench. I don't, I don't think we'll play a B team. I think we'll play kind of like a, a slightly a slightly tweaked A team um, against Brighton. Um, <clears throat> but um, I, th- I think I think it's come at the right time. We needed you know, we either needed an FA Cup game or a, an international break, and so I think this is just, you know, a home game against Brighton. So it's not a bad one. Um, and it would be nice to get a couple of big away games because um, I think we could scare a few. I think if you know if the thoughts of going to Arsenal or the thoughts of going to Liverpool and you know or all Man United this season, we 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 probably we probably give a very good account of ourselves and it's it's good for building brand Brentford. It's it's about telling telling us telling the world who who we are and what we're about. Um, that won't be a bad thing. So yeah, let's just go for it and enjoy it. So I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves here because I mean, okay, the Europa League sounds wonderful, but. We've still got to beat Brighton on Saturday, and uh, well, they're, fr- they're, fr- they're French, are they? Well, they're they're nearly French, but not quite. They they've just they've just kept on this side of the border, just about. Maybe is this the game where, even though we're not into them taking a break as such, like where Groove Rosler, where he changed the whole side, but is this the game where we do even mix and match it a little bit? Not because we have got a bit of a squad, and we need to also kind of get players out there to actually kind of prove their worth. It is very much a squad uh, squad setup at Brentford, isn't it? I mean, you know, you talk about bringing people in like uh, Tabar, and, and you know, he, he's he's not really a reserve player. He's a good footballer, you know, and it's a good opportunity for him to stake his claim. That gets the others on their toes. Sam Saunders probably get a game, um, you know, and and give give some people a bit of a rest as well. And and you know, you know, for the first time, whoever he brings in. It's going to do a decent job. Tommy like, Smith deserves a run out, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm like I think Saunders will play. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Tarkowski and Dean at the back because I think he may just decide that he wants to have another look at those two playing together. Yeah, yeah, it's a good shout. And also, you know, it's, it's gives someone else a chance to have the captain's armband, and you know, it just shakes things up a little bit, doesn't it? I mean. You know, and, and I, I prob- well, personally, I'd probably give Gray a bit of a rest as well. Um, and maybe let Proschwitz have a start. Which is a great time for me to bring in this stat I've, I've noticed recently, which is that when Big Nick plays, we're twice as likely to score when he's on the pitch than when he's not. And that might sound a bit bizarre, but that's, that is the way it is. In terms of when he's on the pitch, we'd score twice as many goals. There you go. Then. Start with him every game. <laughs> <laughs> Steady on, Bill. So, we're obviously, we're always confident anyway. So, we're confident that we're going to get a result. So, boys, let's go around the table. 
and let's get a score prediction from you. I think it'll be a draw. A <gasps> 2 2 draw, and we'll beat them back down at the Amex. Oh. Mr. Levesque. Um, I'm going for 2 0. Uh, fairly. Well, I won't say comfortable. I think for two second half goals, I'll see it. Mr. Reynard. I think if we just make a couple, two or three changes, then we can win that one or two nil. Um, if we ring the whole lot, then we could be in danger. So if he puts in eight or nine changes, I would start to worry. I'm going straight three nil, bees. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. This is the New Year podcast. Happy New Year podcast. First podcast of 2015, and we just thought we're just going to have a little look back to last year. And I'm going to ask you guys, what were your best three moments of 2014? Mr. Dave Lane. Well, I'm going to get the predictable ones out of the way. Um, because they just, you know, we, we can't be over clever and, and, and miss the ones out. But I think the best of all Fridays on Good Friday when Brentford were promoted against Preston. The game with two penalties, the pitch invasion, the euphoria, the relief, the irony of penalties taking us up. Um, so the, the the Preston win, and probably the the scenes around the grounds and with with friends afterwards, I think, and the players enjoying it. Um, got to stay Orient away. Um, a great day, nervy match. Trotter played an absolute blinder. Ten men, backs to the wall. Second half was a really nervy one, um, but I think that that game was a, was the game changer. Slade lost the plot afterwards. Orient lost belief. That was that was a that was a that was a great game. And the third one probably um, from last season, which I think last season shining through for me. Peaceful away on New Year's Day. Um, Forshaw missed the penalty, and then we showed showed our credentials on that three-one. Fantastic start to a fantastic year. Um, and a couple of quite random highlights. The half times at MK Dons and Colchester, when during the half times when it went absolutely ballistic, um, singing in the singing in the in the concourse and the, the catch up and the sugar and the coffee and the, it was just mayhem, the potty mess. Um, and then back to the back to the Nelson, obviously. And the other one, Twat Man at Blackpool. He was one of my highlights. <laughs> Twat Man. I think it, I think we will be on the beside best of 2014 video. That's right. And if you if people are confused about what Twat Man is, just just Google besotted video Twats. Blackpool and you'll get it. It's it's brilliant. It is absolutely hilarious. And uh, the 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 strange thing about it is that no one's actually found him at Blackpool yet, so they don't think he actually exists. He looks very much like uh, Carl Oyston, their uh, their owner. They think it might have been him in a in a different guise after being on the mess for uh, half of the day. So, Mr. Matt Allard, trying to pick something a little bit different, I guess. Um, you know, uh, do, do you remember the, the chart on the first game of the season? There was that relief when Tommy Smith scored because I remember thinking, okay, we're one 0 down to chart, and there's ten minutes left who are we going to beat this season? And I had all these doubts started coming in. And then when he got that goal and suddenly there was this, for me, there was a massive amount of relief there. Um, Forrest away this season, you saw the videos before the game, you know, like Cluffy, 
winning European championships and everything, and then just that feeling at half time when we just had completely outplayed, all right, this Forest team rather than that Forest team. And that was a real high for me. Um, and the other one was on promotion day, you know, and it's kind of been said a little bit. But I did, but, but for me, um, I had no idea what was going on at the Nelson, and I just walked in there and I saw Johnny Douglas at the bar, and I just thought, oh my God, everyone's in here. Oh, that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was, that was a, a good night. It has a good day and a good night. It had to be said, Matt. And and for me, I mean, I'm going to have to give you my three, my three, and probably maybe just go chronological order anyway. I mean, my top day is it's the first day of the year. Pretty much, uh, what, 365 days on from today? The posh game again, that was just brilliant. Um, just because, it's not only because of just the day, it was just the whole kind of needle thing and the fact that posh just thought that they were going to smash the league and they were right up there and we were nowhere at the beginning of the league and then we came back and then, you know, by the time it came to Christmas and New Year, we were top of the league, we went there and they were still giving it large, and we just absolutely smashed them when we dead down there. We had loads of fans in that horrible, rickety stand, and we went absolutely ballistic, and that was a great, great, great way to start the year. So that was great. My second one, again, chronological order, had to be that day out in Orient. It's just the whole day was brilliant. The whole day was just perfect. You know, It was one of those times where I would actually say an early kickoff was all right even though I don't like early kickoffs because that really mashed us up badly. But the good thing about it, you know, Bees fans that day, they took it in their own hands. They said, tell you something, early kickoff, we're going to get up early, we're going to get out earlier. And we had a flotilla of boats down the river, so we all sailed down to Orient at 8 o'clock in the morning. So everyone was up and potty for it at 8 o'clock in the morning. So by the time we got there and they gave us that whole side bit, that whole end, it was just like absolute carnage. <laughs> it was mayhem. It was just brilliant. So uh, Orient was great, and like I said, Slade lost it. It was a great day, great afterwards, it's brilliant. And then the third one for me, actually had to be, I'm going into this season now, and it was just one of those scenarios where, you know, it just couldn't be any better. And it's just when Mr. Hotter popped up in the 94th minute and scored that goal against Fulham, it was just brilliant, you know. And uh, I think that bees up, full them down moment was absolutely fantastic. The game was really exciting. And when we came back at the last 10 minutes, it was just like a sort of kind of volcano in Griffin Park. So for me, those are my three top moments of 2014. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, basically, you've, you've, you've been through most of the, the big events at uh, Preston, final game of the season, go to the pub afterwards, players' management there, you know, and then mixing with the fans made you really realise what, what a very special club Brentford Football Club is um, and we can't afford ever to lose that um, I think Forest first half away where we blew them away was the first sort of coming of age really where people started to think you know away from home we can we can cut it uh, against so-called powerhouses of this division um, I think the the hotter goal against Fulham you know last minute doesn't get any better than that after especially after 22 years and it was just an explosion of uh, of relief, really. Um, for me, what probably one that, that other people won't mention was the um, Stuart Dallas goal against Derby. Last minute, my wife's a Derby fan um, who, you know, constantly sort of sees Brentford as a sort of little club. So it was wonderful, you know, uh, coming back up the uh, up the M40, back to the Midlands to see her that night. I didn't get any food or anything, but. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, it was it was a good evening. And obviously the the Orient game away, like you said, I was sitting uh, in the middle of a load of people who I'd never met before, all Brentford fans. But by the end of the game, we were, you know, it was like we'd known each other for years. Fantastic, fantastic day. Um, but you know, this this it's just been brilliant. It's been brilliant, 2014. Let's hope 2015 is just as good. So listen, we're going to wrap this up. This has been a slightly longer than normal podcast, just because it's a new year, 2015. So we just thought we'd, uh, we'd talk about 2014, talk about the last couple of games, and just talk about whatever we wanted. So I hope you managed to bear with us there. Listen, wishing everybody a, a completely and utterly happy new year. And uh, hopefully all your wishes will come true this year, including, you never know, maybe a top six spot. Saturday, FA Cup against Brighton. These will be out there in force. Fingers crossed we can get through to the next round. We're looking forward to this. This has been the Besotted Podcast. Check us out, besotted.co.uk, Audio Boom Besotted, and Besotted1992 on YouTube. We're a very happy beast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.